Good morning to each of you. I'm glad you're here. Glad we can be together. So, Easter, uh, it's a special day. It's the day we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, this happened about 2,000 years ago, and that, that's a long time. And I've been thinking the last several weeks, uh, pondering this question. I wonder what the uh, disciples and uh, the women and the other disciples, just three categories mentioned in the accounts surrounding the crucifixion and resurrection, what did these three groups of people experience uh, during this time? Let's say um, the week before the crucifixion, the 40 days between the crucifixion and ascension, and the 10 days between ascension and Pentecost, and then... Let's see, that's 50 days, 57 days, I'm counting. And then maybe a week or two after that, uh, the things that you read about in Acts 2, 3, and 4, what did they experience? What, what do you make of this thing that they were in such total despair at the crucifixion, after the crucifixion, and then uh, 60 days later, they, they are bold and energized and happy, joyful, and going forth. And then I wonder, hmm, is that how we are? So I want to try to, I wish I could get up here and just um, invigorate you with whatever invigorated them. So first of all, I would like, I would like to spend a little time just reading scripture uh, about the death and resurrection of Jesus and the impact it had on the disciples, if we can catch that in the reading here. And uh, I've asked uh, Winston and uh, Joanna, Winston, if you could come up, to read. Uh, Winston is going to be reading. It's primarily focused on the disciples, what they experienced, and Joanna does more about what the women experienced. And this is in, I'm using the New Living Translation for this reading because I was hoping to get it a little bit more into a story form, uh, which kind of substitutes for me trying to stand up here and tell you the story, ad lib sort of way. So, you will read. Then they said, then they sang a, a hymn and went out to the 
Mount of Olives. On the way, Jesus told them, Tonight all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you into Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even I have to die with you. I will never die, deny you. And all the other disciples bowed the same. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove with the, called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he began, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same thing again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest, but look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Up, let's be gone, going. Look, my betrayer is here. Then they began to spit in Jesus' face and beat him with their fists. And some slapped him, jeering, prophesying to us, your Messiah, who hit your, you that name. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean, but Peter denied it in front of everyone. I do not know this him and said to him, I do not know what you are talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to the, those standing around him, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I do not even know this man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. Can we tell? We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, I curse on, my, on me. I am lying, flashed through. And immediately, wait, I curse on my me if I lie, a curse on me if I am lying. I do not know this man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you knew, even knew me. And he went away, and he went away weeping bitterly. Okay, so. Uh, what we see there is the great distress that uh, Christ was in, um, the anguish of spirit in the realization of what's coming, and and the fear of the disciples, which is uh, expressed in Peter's uh, responses to being. <clears throat> to being asked if he is, uh, are you not one of those? And it's obvious he he 
He does not want to be identified with Jesus in this this thing that's going on that he cannot make sense of. That this this man who had such authority uh, over evil, over uh, sickness, could do miracles, raise people from the dead, all of this, and now we're we're dead in the water, and this is headed for disaster, and we're all in trouble, and he's in great fear, trying to preserve his life. So, Joanna, would you, would you read, please? Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released the spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and the tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the Son of God. And many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled the great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened? he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost. 
because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. So I wonder how you would summarize uh, those accounts. So it's obvious to me that um, in the gospel story, in these accounts, the disciples and, uh, and the women and other disciples, like the two, we don't know who they were on the way to Emmaus, they were they were devastated by the crucifixion. Uh, they were devastated because Jesus had uh, been with them, had had uh, ate with them, walked with them, talked with them, uh, had done marvelous miracles, uh, had offered them something even what we might call shepherded them, shepherded their hearts. And they were devastated because now this person's dead and all their, well, not just the friendship they had with him and his care of them, but all their hopes and dreams for something new, this seemed like something new and wonderful, very different from what the normal had been. All of this, their hopes and dreams, uh, he had died and all their hopes and dreams had died with him. And they, they, never, they never even thought about maybe he would be raised from the dead. It's like Whatever he had said to them about the process here of death and resurrection, they couldn't remember it. They were in, uh, maybe we would call it today, deep shock and despair, uh, hopelessness. And in their minds, in their hearts, there was no future. There was no future. There was no way to go forward, nothing to hope for. Like all of a sudden, they have no idea. They can't think about, what do we do now? And even when the resurrected Jesus appeared to them, they could not comprehend that he was alive, and I think part of it was um, the shock of his death. And so, so they're headed in one direction when he was alive, and then he's crucified. Now they're headed in another direction. Now he's resurrected, and they got to get this all turned around and get their minds and feelings and nerves. I don't know what all turned around going somewhere else, and maybe they're about like we are, you know, when life is what it is, and and um, in the morning we're feeling fairly positive, the sun is shining, and then by evening five things have happened, and we 
we don't, it's hard to remember who we were this morning that was so good. And this is now all a total disaster, and we, uh, maybe we don't feel good physically, whatever it is. This, this is what they experienced here, even worse than we do, probably, just as bad. So they, they couldn't, <clears throat> they had a hard time transitioning from who he was in life to who he was in death, and now, now he's alive. What in the world has happened, and what is the meaning of this? So how how do you go from that to uh, to what we see then in the first chapters of Acts? So within 50 days, as I mentioned before, within 50 days of the resurrection, the disciples were transformed from shock and hopelessness to. Um, I'll use the word understanding. I'm not sure how much they understood, but understanding and boldness and understanding of what it meant for Jesus to be risen from the dead, that now he's the Lord. He's the Messiah, the Lord. He is the one who can save. He's the one who can lead. And this transformation for them was a result of uh, Jesus appearing to them various times, I'm not sure how many times, uh, after he was risen, appearing to them various times during the 40 days between uh, the crucifixion, uh, the resurrection, and his ascension. And then in Acts um, 2, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the impact of that on the disciples. And, and uh, this, this man, Peter, uh, who denied Jesus, uh, we do have that story in John, the, one of the last chapters in John of the Gospel of John, of Jesus um, talking to Peter specifically and asking him three times, do you love me? I'm not sure if that's three times, maybe because he had denied him three times. But that, that was like uh, inviting Peter back. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm here, Peter, and... Uh, I haven't rejected you, and uh, you're welcome. You're welcome back. Um, but but Peter at Pentecost <clears throat> see. I'm having thoughts about that, and my thoughts are kind of like, I wonder how anybody can get transformed you know, that way, when you have been such a disaster, such a disaster uh, two months ago, and now now here he is doing this. What, how is that possible? So, um, 
Look, I've asked Laverne to read. Will you read Laverne to come up here? This is from Acts 2, mostly. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying one to another, Whatever could this mean? And others mocking said, They are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So, uh, if I would ask uh, this question and you had opportunity to answer it, how would you answer? Uh, let's see. So I had one question, now I have two. Uh, do you believe that we have the same level of 
I guess I'll use the word excitement about the resurrection as as the uh, disciples did uh, at Pentecost and afterward or before. Do we have the same level of understanding and excitement and whatever whatever they had? Do we have that? And then my next question is, uh, what would it take for us to get it? Now, maybe I should just uh, say this, that probably, probably uh, most of you would know me well enough by now to know that, that I am not a high-level, excitable um, I, I can be fairly dry and humdrum and over-the-top, heavy-handed, and ponderous. I can be that way. So maybe I'm speaking to myself. How can I be? How can we all be excited and joyful and captivated by the resurrection of Jesus, as much so as they were. So Peter said there in Acts 2, what he told them, which seems really somewhat cruel, mean. He told them, you know what? You killed Jesus. That's what you did. You did it. Uh, you know, like, listen up, you're guilty here. And then he said, but God raised him from the dead. You meant this, but God did this. And then their response was, well, what would it take for us to repent? Tell us how to help ourselves here. What, what can we do? We're in trouble. We're guilty. So this is the day that we celebrate not only the resurrection of Christ from the dead, but our own resurrection from the dead, if we have trusted in Jesus. And I want to uh, read from Romans 1, and I'm kind of hesitating because dear brother Leon gave me this Bible this morning, a new King James, and I have not opened it yet, so that's what I'm doing here. Romans 1. And I'm not familiar with this, so I have to hunt. Okay, Romans 1. Yeah. Thank you, Leon. It's very kind. Okay, Romans 1. <clears throat> um, I'll just start in verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness, 
by the resurrection from the dead. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. So that, uh, my summary of this is on the back of the bulletin. And uh, this is my, uh, I'm not getting ready to preach a long sermon, I'm getting ready to quit. So, I was considering how to close here, and I thought, well, maybe what I need to do is uh, focus on Acts 2, 3, 4, and, and help us be as excited as the disciples were when they realized what this grand thing was, that Jesus was raised from the dead. And that would be worthwhile, and you can go home and read those chapters. Uh, but what I want us to focus on here is that these verses say that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So it, it, is, the, it is the resurrection of Christ from the dead that... Uh, I'm looking for a word. It's the resurrection of Christ from the dead that affirms, confirms who Jesus was. His claim to be the Son of God, his claim to be the Savior, his claim to be the life of the world, the fact that God raised him from the dead Uh, confirms that he was who he said he was and that he has power over the devil, power over death, power over sin, power over evil. The resurrected Jesus. And then these verses say that through this Jesus, through him we have received, and it mentions two things, grace and apostleship. And so, <clears throat> I think it's obvious in the stories uh, in Acts that the disciples, as a result of the resurrection of Christ and their trust in Jesus, and their willingness to follow him in obedience, it is obvious that they receive grace, grace, the gift of God, the presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit. They received this as a result of the resurrection of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They received grace. And we can too. But not only did they receive grace, they received apostleship, is the word used here. And the word means Sending. They received a sending forth. So they not only received grace, but a sending forth. All those who receive grace, all those who respond to this good news of the resurrection, death, and resurrection of Christ receive grace 
and they receive a mandate of sending. A sending mandate uh, to go into the world around them and to be people of God. And, and what these verses say is the purpose of this grace they received and the sending they received, the purpose of it is to bring about the obedience of faith among all the nations. Uh, the idea of nations is people groups, uh, perhaps even you could say the Gentiles, but the mission to go forth declaring the good news that the risen Jesus Christ is the Savior and Lord of all people. And this is all people, this is, which this idea is probably kind of distant to us, but both Jews and Gentiles, all people. So whereas in the Old Testament the focus was primarily on Jews, now the good news is that all people of the world can be part of this family, and the purpose of this is obedience of faith. Uh, bringing people into a faith and lifestyle that pleases God. This is the, um, the purpose of the death and resurrection of Jesus. is a, a, a radical change inside of us and in who we are and, and how we live. And I hope we can be um, as captivated by that and transformed by it and, and joyful about it as the early believers. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this day, the opportunity to uh, focus especially on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord, from the dead. And thank you for each one who is here and the uh, opportunity we have to belong to your family, to trust in Jesus and follow him and be recipients of this grace and sending. And so grace us, Lord, today, each day by your spirit and and give us the, the awareness that we are sent, are being sent, that we are witnesses of this good news that Jesus is risen. Bless each of us and make us a blessing in the place you have put us. And thank you. Amen.